Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. I'm Andy Mitten and I'm sat in the press box in Soldier Field, Chicago. The sun is setting. At the moment it's coming directly into the press box. I'm sure you'll feel very sympathetic to all the journalists who are having their eyes blinded. But to the right of the sun is the superb backdrop of the Chicago skyline. It's one of the greatest skylines in the world. There's been recent additions since United last played here um, five years ago. And they also played here in 2004, one of the most boring games I've ever seen, against Bayern Munich with the United Reserve team. And I'm with David McDonnell. David has been a guest on the podcast before, as, as you know. He's the Manchester correspondent for the Daily Mirror. He's been in that position for about 15 years. I'm sure he's going to correct me when we come to him now. David, the, the United tour is nearly at an end. We've been to four games. This is the final game, United against PSG. How has it gone for you? It's been a good tour. Um, it's been a shorter tour. I think we all know Louis van Gaal uh, of the last year trekking around you know, the US and zigzagging the way across the country. He wasn't happy about the, t- the travel involved. So essentially, uh, we've had two base camps here, one in Seattle and, and one in San Jose and Santa Clara. Uh, and of course, they flew, flew in last night for this game in Chicago. Uh, they're only going to be here 24 hours because they're flying straight back to Manchester after the game. So he's got what he wants. You know, He's, he's got the tour he wants. Um, I think he's was saying after the second game, third game rather, it's gone as well as it could. You know, they've been able to train the way he wants, double training sessions every day, uh, and of course, as I said, they've cut down on the travelling, which was a massive issue for him last time. So, I think from his perspective, it's gone well. I think the weather um, has gone against them because he chose obviously the the West Coast because of the climate, and particularly Seattle uh, was meant to be a. a more conducive to training, uh, not, not the heat wasn't meant to be so oppressive, but uh, I have to say, as you said in the, uh, the intro there Andy, it's, it's been really, really hot over here, uh, and even Van Hala alluded to that himself uh, in one of his press conferences a few days ago, said it's unusually hot, um, so that's backfired, but you can't control the weather of course, um, but I think that side, I think you know, um, everything's gone, gone well for them. And what about as a, a working journalist following <coughs> the team around, how's the access been this year? It's been different this year, I have to be honest. Last year, uh, when Louis Van Gaal came in, we were allowed access to the training sessions. They were effectively open training sessions. Often you get the first 15 minutes of training and then you know, cameras and us guys are told to leave. Uh, this year, that, that's been the case. Last year, the training sessions were open and we got up close and were able to watch them train. It was the kind of access we've never really had with United before. and We, we felt that, that was a, a real step forward, it was going to change. And, and, and now it's gone back to how it used to be. So obviously that's the way Louis wants it. You know, he doesn't want people prying on his training sessions. It's a bit odd considering you know last year you know he was in charge and he came in and he allowed that. But obviously that's the way he wants to do things this year. So it's been difficult from that perspective. We've not been able to get as up close and personal as you like in terms of watching them train. But um, access in terms of player interviews has been good. We've, you know, we had a sit down with Louis um, the other day. He gave us half an hour of his time um, in the San Jose Hotel. Um, which is very good of him because I know their, their schedule is quite tight um, but that's one of the main reasons we, we come on this tour obviously for the games but also to speak to the manager and you know, Sir Alex was always good at doing that he always gave us well, one famous occasion in 2005 in China when he, when he wouldn't speak to us um, uh, I remember just, that, I was, was on just, it yeah, yeah, you were on that tour yeah, that was persuaded a, David Gill to speak, didn't that's we? that's right, yeah reluctantly, that's in right. Tokyo yeah, yeah and of course I think it was when all I think just stories, after the takeover and some stories have come out about Roy Keane having the bust up with Kiros, Carlos Kiros at the training camp in Portugal, yeah. uh, and you know there, there were question marks over Roy's future, uh, and Sir Alex didn't like that. And then, of course, November, a few months later, Roy left the club. Yeah. So the stories. Well, all the stories, stories at the time were absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, but he still wouldn't speak to us. But that, 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 that I mean, 
that's um, you know occupational hazard. You know you can have run-ins with managers, and we've certainly all had our run-ins with uh, Sir Alex in the past. But as I say, on this occasion, Louis gave us half an hour's time. He's very relaxed, very formal. It wasn't you know it wasn't the um, uh, you know the kind of uh, warm sort of interview. It was very formal. He answered the questions, and then we left. But but he was good. As I say, he gave us his time. Um, and we spoke to several players. We, we sat down with Schweinsteiger. We spoke to Wayne Rooney. Um, you know, a lot of players have, have spoken to us in mixed zones. So. I think they, they seem fairly relaxed about the tour as well. Um, so from a, from that perspective, yeah, access has, has, has been good. Apart from, as I say, you know, the, tra- the training sessions, which obviously Louis wants to keep private. You mentioned the Roy Keane Kieros spat. I've, I've stayed in touch with Carlos Kieros. Went to see him in Iran last year, and when his book came out in November, I got a, a message. Do you have the comments of that boy Keane, not Roy Keane? Oh, so right. unfortunately, um, I had to pass them on to him, and, and Roy was. Very, very critical of him. Yeah, un- unfairly so. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't there, but I've spoke to enough people who were there. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't just about that. Um, I don't think Roy rated Carlos as a coach, and everyone else who speaks to him football largely did rate him as a coach. Yeah. It was a hard bastard, Kieros. And yeah. maybe you have that clash of personalities where you've got the two bulls in the same pen. Yeah. And that can produce a spark and produce a winning team, which it certainly did with. Um, when, when Kieros was around but I think with Carlos and maybe we should try and get him on one of these podcasts because he's got some great United stories well, he's very highly guarded by Sir Alex wasn't he I mean, Sir Alex Sir loves him said, loves I mean, him I mean at one stage I mean, I know it seems fanciful now but he said he could be, uh, could be the next Manchester United boss um, and he credited him with you know modernising a lot of the training methods and, and, and giving Sir Alex a, a, a fresh perspective on the game so um, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, Roy Flatt with a lot of people at United, and you know, he's he's a common factor in that. So I think with Carlos, he came in and he, he called all the players by the second name, and they weren't used to that. So, Giggs, give the ball to Neville, Neville number one. So yeah. they'll tell you stories <laughs> yeah. about. But I spoke to a wife of uh, one of Sir Alex's staff, uh, a lady who's now a pensioner, and uh, I said, I'm going to Iran next week to see Carlos Kier. I said, Oh, Carlos. We used to swoon at him, yeah, all the ladies. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? He was obsessed by football. You know, so I think that's probably why Sir Alex absolutely was, loved him. He was reminded me of a kind of pilot. You know what I mean? It's like cabin crew doors to manual. He was, um, but he was good with us. I mean, you know, I mean, when he was at United, I mean, we're going back obviously ten years now. I can't remember when he left when he left for Madrid, but he was okay with us as well. You know, he gave he gave us his time occasionally, and I think we, we spoke to him on a few occasions on tours. Um, so yeah, it was. Um, I think, I think he was probably underappreciated at the time in terms of looking back on, on what influence he had at United and, and the impact he had, you know, and that, that spell he was, it was Fergie's number two. So you're saying that everything now, it, it's, it's, it's efficient, it's clean, but long gone are the days of going on a drinking session with the manager where he tells you stuff <laughs> off, off, off the record. So, so, not, so not with the time difference here, because you know, you've got to, be, got to be up about six o'clock in the morning to work to the UK Times. Um, but yeah, I think... Um, I think that that has long, long gone. I mean, it's, that's kind of two generations ago, probably, or a generation ago from from, from my from my lot. Um, it's much more formal now. Um, you know, we, we we do have sort of you know briefings, you know, with with you know people at the club, and, and we um, you know had, had a meeting with Ed Woodward at the start of the tour. You know, um, so there is a, I think there is a definitely a better relationship, um, a more healthy relationship between the journalists covering United than there was. You know, maybe two or three years ago. Certainly, when I first started doing it, 14, 15 years ago, um, there's more dialogue between um, the kind of uh, executives at the club and, and journalists. And I think that can only be a healthy thing. So, Ed, Ed might just say, "Look, 
these stories about Nicholas Otamendi are everywhere, but they're just not true. You're wasting your time writing them. Yeah, and you'd, you'd rather have guidance, for example, like that, uh, and, and not write something, um, than have to be sort of, you know, you know, scrabbling in the dark in terms of trying to get the story from somewhere else and trying to get someone to back it up from somewhere else. So if you can, you can go to someone at the club and say, look, is this true? You know, am I wasting my time writing this, or is there any, any truth in this? Um, you can get an answer. Um, and I think you know, the kind of mistrust uh, and uh, sort of rancour and animosity that maybe existed before you know, isn't there anymore. And I think, that's, as I said earlier, I think that's a healthy thing because you know, we all have to work together to a certain extent, journalists, you know, officials, um, players, managers, you know, and, and the more cooperation and dialogue there is, the better that relationship, you know. Um, there are obviously times when the club can't say things, there are obviously times when they have to be, you know, sensitive information that they can't release to us for obvious reasons, but as I say, I do think it helps help, helps everyone in the process if, if, if we're on good terms. How do you see the way reporting's going now? Because I see the lads here, they've spent a couple of weeks away from the family, they've worked hard, they've They've chased stories. They've, they're, they're you know, it, it, it's it's very glamorous being paid to go away with Manchester United, but it's hard work as well. And yet yeah, there's no, this. No one wants to hear that. No one wants. <laughs> no, of course you don't want to hear that, and 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 and, and, I, and I get that. Um, you look online, and there's this clickbait culture now, yeah. where there are journalists who never leave the office, yeah. um, who are writing stories which can be incredibly popular. Lionel Messi will join Manchester United tomorrow. Yeah. They're not sourced. No one's no, having a conversation. The club are never going to knock them down. Yeah. I mean, this, this is. I think it's quite sad that they're often the most popular stories. I was going to write a piece from over here with a former United player. He's now assistant manager of um, Portland Timbers. Yeah. I spoke to Ryan Giggs about him. He said, "Oh, he was a swine in the dressing room." Well, he yeah, used a stronger yeah. word than that. Yeah. It's a great story, but you know what? If it goes live, it won't do anything because no. it's not saying that Messi's signing or tomorrow or Ronaldo's signing. Yeah, I mean, look, that's that's the nature of the beast in a way. I mean, you know, we're finding now us sort of print journalists on newspapers that we're serving two masters. We're having to do a lot of online stuff now, as well as our stuff for the papers. So the workload's effectively doubled. Now, listen, I'm not complaining about that because that's the way the world has gone. And that's the way you have, you have to modernise and you have to adapt to new. Um, methods, new technologies, new approaches, and, and a new way of doing things. Um, but I, I agree with you that, that someone can write something sensationalist, and it can get you know x amount of hits in thousands, hundreds of thousands of hits, um, and it, it, it can be unsourced. I mean, obviously, you know, we as diligent journalists try and do our best to, to, to source stuff to get it right. We get stories wrong, you know. I get stories wrong. Colleagues get stories wrong. We all do. We get some right as well. Oh, but oh, no, oh, no one wants to know about those ones. They want to know about the ones you get wrong. Yeah. Um, and United can be looking at, you know. You know, 10 or 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 players, but they only end up signing four or five. And if you write about the 10 that they don't sign, you know, or, or one of the 10 that don't sign, then, then then you'll get loads of views on Twitter. But that's the nature of the beast. I'm not yes. complaining at that. Yeah. But it, I think it's important that people know the process that, that, that's yeah. at work here. Because United will scout lots of players, might not sign them, you know, for, for various reasons, financial reasons. The players want to come, the agents playing someone off against another one. Um, but it, it doesn't mean that they're not looking at those players, or they're not certainly on their radar. Um, but I, I do agree with you, Andy, that, that we're in a culture now where people are desperate to raise profiles on Twitter, they're desperate to, to, to get hits, they're desperate just to get click, as you say, clickbait. Um, and you know, that's fostered this culture of um, you know, journalism that's not, that's not really gone through the proper process of being checked and sourced. And as I say, we try and do that. Yes, occasionally we get it wrong. We, we hope, you know, more often than not, we get it right. But we do get it wrong. But at least we endeavour to get the story checked out. Or you might write a story which was right at the time, but something yeah. might, might, might change. Exactly, yeah. But you're right about the, the, the Twitter abuse. On Thursday, 
a good contact said to me, Sergio Romero is flying to San Francisco to sign for Manchester United. Right. So I put that out. And I don't normally put stuff on Twitter like no, that. I'd, always, no. you know, I'd hold it back. And how many kicks do you get? <laughs> and, well, a lot. You know, yeah, yeah, um, I mean, well, that, 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 that wasn't... It, it does. I mean, I wasn't saying that you know, Messi's signing, yeah. but it was one of them where I thought, this isn't going to hold. He's going to be spotted at, at, at Buenos Aires Airport. Yeah. I wouldn't normally put it out there, but, but I just did do it. Yeah, you're right, yeah. And, and, and it was right. Had that been wrong, you'd have been inundated with abuse. Because yeah, yeah. it's right, you get absolutely nothing. Now, I'm not expecting a blue Peter badge, but there are some real wankers, and I'm allowed to use that word rather, rather yeah, yeah. than no, you. You're right, you're right. But I mean, I'm sure I remember you did, did your story last year, if I remember some, it was about Vidal. Yeah. And they were looking at Vidal. Yeah. He was on their radar. Even Van Hal admitted, I like Vidal. Look at him. He didn't sign. That doesn't mean they weren't interested. That doesn't mean United. But, you know, if you put it out there and you have the balls to go with your My, source, my two your sources source. were really good. Exactly. I would trust them again tomorrow. Exactly. But he didn't sign. And just because it doesn't happen doesn't mean it wasn't right at the time, as you say. So that, that's case in point. It's, yeah, it, 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 is, it is an unfortunate aspect of our business. But, yeah, we have to accept it. But tear the mute button on Twitter is a brilliant invention. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Because yeah. all the people who get given you abuse, you don't block them, you just mute them. And they don't know that you can't see what they're writing. Yeah, yeah. So if anyone, get, anyone out there is getting abuse, the mute button. I, I salute you, Twitter, for the mute button. Most people listening to this are more interested in Manchester United than journalism, although we do get a lot of feedback on, on, on the intricacies of, of, of journalism. Going on here, isn't there it? is. Uh, David looking wonderful here, resplendent in the Chicago sun. <laughs> um, the, the, the five new signings have come to Manchester United. What have you made of them in the way that they've settled in from what you've seen and how they've played? And you know, you spoke to Bastian Schweinsteiger. His English is surprisingly good. I'm told yeah. that's because his girlfriend. Um, speaks perfect English yeah. and he doesn't speak Serbian so yeah Anna Ivanovic the tennis, yeah. tennis player yeah. yeah yeah he's been he was excellent we were, again going back to the access we were lucky the club arranged for us daily newspapers to have a sit down with him uh, I think we got about 15-20 minutes with him in Seattle I think it was on the first leg of the tour uh, he was very good you know complained about being misquoted um, after point out the next day which definitely wasn't the case he was asked um, he actually offered the opinion that Manchester United was a bigger club than Bayern Munich. One of the guys, coming with who it was, actually said to him, can we just clarify that? Why are they a bigger club? And he went on to explain, well, um, you know, when I was at Bayern Munich, we didn't go to America, went to you know, other places like Asia, but this is a whole new thing. They're just bigger. So he was asked to clarify it, and he did it twice. And then, obviously, when the papers come out in, in Germany... He gets hammered. He gets back, he gets hammered, so then he goes on Twitter. And so... Yeah, again, there's another aspect of journalism. You know, when you ask a player to clarify something and they and they still stand by it, and you quote them verbatim, and then it goes out, they complain about it because they don't like the reaction that's gone on. But anyway, that was that was a minor point, but uh, he wasn't misquoted, so that, I'll set the record straight on that one. But he was very good, gave us his time. Um, obviously, he's a you know World Cup winner, Germany captain. Everyone knows what a great player Schweinsteiger is. So I don't think we need to, you know, really sort of discuss what kind of impact he'll have. Although, of course. The concern with him is the knee injury, you know, the, the knee problems that he seems to have recurring. Schneiderlin played really well, I thought, in the, in the first game um, and the third game. I didn't, obviously, Louis changed the teams around in the first game for 45 minutes, but he played particularly well, I thought, against Club America in Seattle, scored a goal. Uh, he knows the Premier League, so I, I'd expect him to start alongside Carrick, probably against Spurs, in that holding midfield role. Depay, um, obviously, you know, he's got a lot of trickery about him, you know, very dynamic young player. Um, you know, everyone talks about how massive he is, how, how physically big he is. You know, legs and arms and everything. So Someone was saying to me earlier, one of the United, um, couple of the United staffers, that uh, his eyes are huge. 
I've not noticed. Well, I haven't noticed, to be honest. Well, I trust them. They're a good source. He's a, he's a big lad, muscly, fixed-set lad, so I think he'll, he'll, he'll do well in that role behind Rooney, and that's where we expect him to play, um, you know, with maybe Young and Matter either side. Um, and Darmian's looked good, looked solid at right-back. I mean, I think United fans will know they've been looking out for a proper right-back since Gary Neville um, uh, retired. I think they may have found it in him. Um, how many is that? That's four. And of course, Romero, Romero, we haven't yeah. really seen action yet, but of course... Yeah. He's um, you know Argentina World Cup goalkeeper, so he's mm. proven. Um, and you know it remains to be seen what happens with David de Gea. Um, what do you think is going to happen? It's a difficult one, really difficult one. Uh, anyone, anyone who tells you they knows what, they know what's happening doesn't. Um, but from the conversations I've had and my colleagues have had with uh, people you know in the know at United and certainly though the hierarchy, they're adamant that de Gea, unless United get Sergio Ramos, de Gea won't. Here won't go the other way. And United are playing that right. Well, I, I think so. And, and with Ramos, I think, I mean, you'll correct me maybe, but with him about signing a deal or having signed a deal, it looks like De Gea's in the state. Now, they're well, You know, with, with Ramos, on, when that 24th of June, when that first came out, I put a piece on United We Stand. I spoke to a, a very good um, source of, yeah. who knows the Real Madrid people. He doesn't know Ramos personally, but he, he, know, you know, he writes for the best paper in Spain yeah. and, and, and not Mark. And he said the people around Ramos are not good people he said right. here's what will happen he said he's angling for more money they'll kick off they'll say there's been a big argument they'll miraculously make up um, yeah. a month down the line and he'll get what he wants in terms of money and that's how it's played out yeah, yeah absolutely I mean it did seem I mean our, our, our sort of thoughts initially was that it was, is it Ramos angling for a move and it, it, that seems to have been proven right now I know that he definitely fell out with him yeah. But there was always a, oh, it couldn't make up. It's a very Spanish Latino yeah. thing. It's, it's, it's a clever way of manipulating the situation. But I, but I think, as I say, from conversations with, with people at United, they're quite happy to let David see out this next yeah. year and go for nothing. Um, now, in the past, that even might... though he wants to go, even yeah. even though Madrid want him, he's contracted to play for Manchester United. Yeah. I think part of thinking as well is that David De Gea, with the Euros next year, is not going to want to have a really bad season with Manchester United. He's not going to sort of down tools to uh, do a Raheem Sterling. He's going to play, and I think we've seen it on this tour. You know, he's not done a Sterling and and, and, and sort of refused to train and refused to come out. He's actually. You know, fulfilled his obligation as an employee of the club. Yeah. So he's I, been smiling. He just hasn't spoke to us. No, or us. So yeah. or any. You're not alone. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, anyone spoke to him. But I think United are playing this one. You know, I think there's an element. Certainly, well, I know there's an element from United's point of view of standing up to Real Madrid, of not being bullied, of not being. You know, sort of. You know, Real Madrid can't just come in and cherry pick our, our best players. So I think there's an element of posturing from United. But I think that's right because. Uh, you know, you can't allow teams to, or clubs to do that and, and just come in and say, right, well, we're going to have that player. Uh, and I think that that was the feeling at Real Madrid that they were going to get De Gea and come up May and, you know, United would just roll over, you know, like an obliging sort of puppy and say, OK, take him. Um, and I see the way it's reported in Spain and it's very different to how it's reported in the UK. Yeah. It's, we've, we've signed Beckham, he's their best player. We're Real Madrid. We've yeah. signed Van Nistelrooy. We've signed yeah. Gabriel Hines. The truth in all of those three is that Sir Alex Ferguson wanted them sold. Yeah. They did get Ronaldo. Yeah. yeah. Granted. Yeah. But I think it's right that United stand up to them and say, well, wait a minute. But, but it might be Real Madrid. Yeah, we're yeah. not a village club. Yeah. Exactly. Our average crowd is higher than yours. Our, our revenues are up there with yours. They're the two ambassadors, the three biggest clubs in the world, yeah. aren't they? Absolutely. So for Madrid just to think that because he's from Madrid, but otherwise, what's the point of signing a contract? Yeah. He's a contracted player. I think United, the way they look at it, they have this term amortisation, don't they? I mean, they pay, what, 18 million from, from um, uh, Atletico Madrid, um, yeah. you know, four, four years ago. This will be his fifth year. So I think if you look at it over that period of time, 
five years, 80 million, you know, that's a pretty effective deal. Now, I know he's going to walk away for nothing, and you might, you might get, you know, in an ideal market, if he'd signed a new contract, you might get 35, 40 million for him. Um, but if you went this summer, you'd probably only get 15, 20, really, realistically, in terms of the, the length of time left on his contract. So, um, and even the Madrid press were saying that was too much, saying it yeah. should be 15, which is yeah. the, the, the salary of a top player for, for, yeah. for one year. So I, I, I think it'll play out in a way that he'll probably stay unless there's some sort of change of heart from, from both clubs or uh, an acceptance. One of them comes to the other and says, right, I'm happy to make a compromise now. Um, you know, there, there could have been an element of posturing from United in terms of Ramos, um, but they were pretty adamant that, that unless he was going to come that way, De Gea wouldn't go the other way. As Ramos is about signing a deal, um, it looks to me as if De Gea is staying. But look, things can change in football, we all know that. Um, but as things stand today, uh, it looks like he'll be a United player next season. United have also said they're looking for a forward, yeah. not necessarily a number nine, a forward. Pedro has been linked. Have you heard of any, any other names? No, I mean, well, I mean, the, the usual suspects have been banded around Lukaku, yeah. who's obviously, obviously been mentioned. I think Benteke was mentioned, although we were told pretty swiftly that that, wasn't, that, was, yeah. that was going nowhere. The story saw. behind that, I mean, Tim, Sh- Tim Sherwood mentioned him on the record to, to yeah, a journalist. I'm led to believe that, 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 that that's what happened. But wasn't he just trying to get well, more money the, out of Liverpool? That's that's the presumption, and I think it's a fairly accurate presumption that there, there was a, a blatant attempt there to get that story out there in the press to you know smoke Liverpool out in a sense and get Liverpool to pay the, the release clause of 32 million, on which they did obviously, and, and, and that deal has gone through now. So that's a kind of you know, we talked earlier on about the kind of tactics and the manipulation that goes on behind the scenes that, that, that your fans or your readers or your viewers, listeners, don't see, um, and we have to deal with that as journalists too. We have to try and. You know, it's all smoke and mirrors sometimes. You know, you've got to read between the lines and see who's saying the truth, who's not, who's doing that for their own gain. Is that person, you know, playing me off against somebody else for their own benefit? And in that case, you know, that, that would appear to have been the case, that that, that story was put out there by Villa tactically for a, for a tactical reason to get Liverpool to pay the money, and it worked. How do you think Manchester United will do this season? And you also cover City, don't you? Yeah. In comparison with City. I spoke earlier with Diego Forlan, I do a column with him, and he thinks that City will finish above United, partly because he thinks he rates Pellegrini very highly, it's his former manager. Um, I'm not sure that I, I agree with him, but his point that City are, are, more, are more solid and more experienced. More well, well, well machine than United. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. I mean, but with the signings United have made, you'd expect them obviously to do a lot better than last season. I mean, 17 points behind Chelsea in fourth spot. Louis van Gaal says that was a consequence of the poor start. Um, and it was a very poor finish as well. I think it was five or maybe six points out of 18 at the end. So. Well, when they lost Carrick. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. He's, he's the main man. They've got the praise to stay fit. But um, I, I, we have to do our pre-season predictions. I did put City above United. Um, but I think it all depends. If United, can get a, if United can get a striker in, I do think if Rooney's injured, they're going to be really short of goals. Now, I know that Depay can play an advanced role. and The managers even talked about Yanazai playing up there. You know, you can't see someone like Yanazai or James Wilson, you know, leading the attack in the absence of Rooney if he's out for any length of time. So I do think they've got to get a striker in and boost the sort of goal goal output because it can't all fall on fall on Rooney. I know Hernandez is here, and you know, but his future's undecided. Yeah, it just seems improbable, doesn't yeah, it? I mean, Yanazai, exactly. David Moyes rates him so highly. Yeah. He thinks he can play down the middle. Yeah. He certainly looks like he's filled out he's a little up. bit. Was, yeah, but do that, you go yeah. from where he is now to being a really influential? 
player in a title-winning Premiership that's team, that's and that's that's where yeah. United have got to be looking at. They yeah. can't be aiming for, and you know, got to avoid a repeat of last year with the terrible start. Yeah, they have to, and I think that's why Lewis scrapped the, the pre-season friendly at Old Trafford. I know they've got a behind-closed doors game coming up. Yeah. Um, so that'll be just probably the team that starts tonight and, the, and has started against the second half one. Yeah, yeah. it'll be the kind of two teams. But with Giggs captain in the uh, yeah. the others. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be interesting. But, look, I mean, it's difficult to predict. I mean, we're all hostages to our predictions at the start of the season. You know, you say someone's going to finish top or someone's going to get relegated. And then, I mean, I think I had Southampton relegated last season. They finished sixth or seventh in the end. I can't remember, can't remember what it was. So you, you've, you're a hostage to fortune when you do that. But I'd expect a market improvement from United, given the money they've spent, and given the fact that Louis had everything he wants, really. I know when we spoke to him, he said, oh, it's not the case. You know, I've read that in the papers. But he's got the tour he wants. He's got the players he wants. Uh, you know, he's got the pitches that he wants at the training ground now. You know, they've been ripped up and that Desso service is down, so there'll be an operation for the new season. He's got pretty much everything he wants, so I don't think there can be any excuses if they fall short this season. Thank you for your time, David. Cheers, We've got the, the game to watch. Um, you can follow David on, on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? At Disco Mirror. I won't tell you the story behind it. It'll take too long and it'll probably involve a, a libel case. Dave, David <laughs> is known as Disco and you may have heard some of the songs in the background during this podcast. When Get Lucky by Daft Punk was on, <laughs> he was actually dancing. He said he prefers to, to, to dance and, and, and speak. And you can also download his work via um, the Daily um, Mirror, which you can download the full paper every day, can't you? So you Onto call, an iPad. So you call the nickname Disco and you can ask him when you next see him. Your let mate, me guess. Hunter, Graham Hunter. So you can ask him. We will get um, Graham Hunter on a future podcast. He's usually good value. In fact, Graham Hunter suggested that United should sign Pedro on the way back from Sociedad Manchester United. It's 15 months ago. And now look at all the stories. And then Graham's on a podcast with David Moyes this week. And I'm going to go and see David Moyes next week. Maybe I'll get him on a podcast. Anyway. Until then, I'm going to start work on the next United We Stand, which will be out against Tottenham, but you can obviously download a copy online as well. Goodbye.